Today on Com Talk, we're talking about the newest member of the X-Men franchise, The Gifted. Stick around. Captain, we have a proximity alert with the planet's geekery. We are approaching collision. Quicks, get somebody on the comms. Enter in the security code. Security code accepted. Hello, Devoted Geeks, and welcome to episode 23 of Com Talk, the podcast extension of Geek Devotions, the YouTube show from a couple Devoted Geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. I am Dallas, and with me is... Celeste! Today we will be discussing some of what we like about The Gifted and how we want to see it play out in the X-Menverse. As you listen to this podcast, please interact with us. Send us your thoughts on what we're saying via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us simply by looking up Geek Devotions. Do us a favor and leave a review on iTunes. And leave some comments and interact with us on social media. And Perhaps you can be our Devoted Geek of the Month. Before we get into today's topic, we have a few announcements for you guys. First off, last week our friend Josh from Victims and Villains Podcast had us on his show. And we talked about Lion King, we talked about Shazam, and we talked about some pretty deep stuff. Victims and Villains is a, um, what do you call it, suicide prevention podcast. Uh, He deals with some pretty heavy things, but it's all a matter to bring hope to people who are in need of that kind of hope. And so I want to encourage you guys, check him out, Victims and Villains. Uh, it's on pretty much all your favorite podcast catchers. He's got a website that's out there, and uh, he's got all kinds of great resources for you to be able to get the help you need if, if you need some help. And so check that out. It was a lot of fun. Josh is a great guy, and we really appreciate all that he does. We also wanted to let you know that we now have a group on Facebook Woo-hoo! called Devoted Geek Life. It's a lot of fun, a lot of geekery, a lot of discussion, and sometimes we even hold polls to deal with our podcast to get your input and opinions. Speaking of polls, stick around to the end of our podcast as you'll be hearing the results from this week's poll from Devoted Geek Life, where we asked our fellow Devoted Geeks, what is your favorite mutant power from established X-Men TV series and movies? And, uh, and why, if you have an answer for that. So stick around, we'll be at the end of today's podcast. So let's get into today's topic. Uh, if you haven't seen The Gifted, the summary for it on the uh, Wikipedia page for it is, Two ordinary parents, Reed and Caitlin Strucker, take their family on the run from the government when they discover their children, Lauren and Andy, have mutant abilities, and they join an underground community of mutants who have to fight to stay alive. So that's the the general plotline of of the series. So let's 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 break it down. Let's talk about a little bit in depth about what the series is like and some aspects that we like about the show. So Celeste, tell me first off, what is it that you like about the show? Um, I think that I like that it's such a a different take on the X Men world. Mm-hmm. You know, all the other shows we follow the X Men and it deals with the Oh, everyone hates the X-Men. And that's still the case, but it shows a different perspective. It shows someone who didn't have the chance to go to Xavier's right. and learn how to handle things and to be a hero. These are just ordinary people right. running from the law. Yeah, I can see that. And it's, it's an interesting take on itself from the fact that it starts off uh, Reed Strucker, the parent, the father. He's actually a prosecutor Yes. Uh, for the government. Um, in this universe, they set up that if you use your mutant powers and anybody gets hurt at all, it's automatically a crime. And so 
Um, he's this is what he does for a living, and as it comes out, his daughter Lauren has is a mutant, but she's been a mutant for a while. She's known about her powers, and she's actually trained herself how to use them. Mm-hmm. And so, where everything comes to a head is when her little brother Andy manifests his powers after a pretty intense bullying scene. Yeah, well, and I think that I like the differences in their powers mm-hmm. because. Lauren kind of shields. She mm-hmm. takes the air and forms a shield. Mm-hmm. Whereas Andy just kind of causes chaos. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that their powers play off of each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there, it's quite interesting, the dynamic, the family dynamic, as they go through this also. Yes. Uh, Andy is obviously a pretty troubled young man in the series. Yeah. And uh, Lauren's, I don't know, you kind of get the feeling with the front end that she's like the you know got it all together not quite prissy but you know you know super girly girl type of individual yeah and then but you could tell she cares about her brother oh yeah and i think that's what i like about it is the fact that throughout the series she she really because she cares about her brother tries to take care of him tries to take care of the family and it, it seems to be a rarity in television nowadays where you see family units really working together like this come together during adversity and it's not, you know, we're just slamming one parent or another. At the same time, I feel like they've done a pretty good job of showing how the parents are handling this. You mm-hmm. know, there was a scene in, and spoilers for anybody, if anybody hasn't seen this, but there was a scene in one of the episodes where Caitlin was trying to find books to give these kids, these mutant children, uh, some sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. you know, help them to finish their degrees or their high school degrees. Right. And somebody goes, why are you doing this? She's like, they need some normalcy. And they go, this is their normal. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see it in her face that she's like, oh, my God, this is their normal. Right. And because at, at the time, you know, at the, the way things are going with this show, there's really no need for conventional schooling they need to know how to protect themselves mm-hmm. but at the same time even with that scene that you're talking about caitlin's mindset wasn't a matter of they're trying to defend themselves what she's seeing is um a character named polaris um training child soldiers and so and even uh, polaris what when she asked what when she asked polaris what she was doing it wasn't a, i'm trying to teach these kids how to defend themselves she was i'm preparing them for war which is an interesting take. Um, you know, we have the privilege of living in a country where we haven't had to fight to survive. We haven't had to do certain things growing up. But these are, you know, there are kids across the world who are 12, 15, sometimes younger, who are having to fight. And you, so we look at them going, this is a tragedy. You know, how, you know, these poor kids are, are being taught to, to fight. But for some of them, they live in areas where, they have to learn to fight yeah. to survive, to live a normal life. At, at Well, I say normal life, normal for them. Yeah. They have to, to survive and they have to learn to fight. Well, I know that Polaris was meaning war, but my take on it was that she was teaching them to defend themselves sure. because the Sentinels were coming after them, right. whether they did anything wrong or not. Yeah. So if they knew how to use their powers, then they could defend themselves and Hopefully not hurt anybody. Right. Absolutely. So, and, and the Sentinels themselves are an interesting aspect. Um, they're not the giant robots that we see in the movies or in the comics, but Sentinel Services is actually a 
kind of a branch of the government. Mm-hmm. And so they're all people. Uh, they have some technology they use. Uh, they used to essentially gather up the mutants who are lawbreakers and either imprison them or do something else, which... We haven't figured out what do something else is yet. Yeah, we haven't. It's <laughs> quite interesting. Which... We, we know that it's there. We don't know what it is. <laughs> so it's interesting, though, because... Um, and I don't know. I, I'm looking at it from, uh, from the point of view of... Because I'm, I'm very intrigued by uh, how does the government respond to certain things. And so I could see our government responding in, to a homegrown, what they perceive to be a threat, even though it's maybe not... And overreacting in this way. We have a history of that already in the past. Like um, during World War II, we had, um, I forgot what exactly we called it here stateside, but essentially there were concentration camps for um, Japanese citizens. Internment camps. Yeah, internment camps. And um, for Japanese American citizens. Yeah. Because we were scared that they were um, connected to, connected the, to, the, to, to Japan, Japan and to the stuff. Uh, and quite frankly, with our current political climate, uh, we're, it's scarily to say that we're, we may not be too far from that happening with some of the recent terrorist attacks happening in your stateside. Exactly. And so... Which would be a travesty because <clears throat> not everyone falls into those categories. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, it, it has a lot of deep political discussion, which has always been an aspect of X-Men universe is yes. the political side of it. But... At the same time, it has some really great aspects of the family unit and them trying to um, work through their difficulties, try to understand it. There was a great scene uh, in the one that we just saw where Reed and Andy are on on this mission to break into a government building. Um, nothing says parent-child bonding like <laughs> some breaking and entering. But... Um, Please don't break into the yeah. children. <laughs> But Reed's talking to Eclipse about being a parent. Eclipse just found out that he's going to be a dad uh, a few episodes beforehand. And so he's like, you know, were you ready to be a dad? And uh, Reed says, I, I wasn't. And essentially he goes about saying that, you know, all he knows is that no matter what happens, he knows that he will always love his son. No matter who his son is, no matter what his son does, no matter what situation the family falls in, he will have nothing but love for his son. And, of course, the great, then the great journey is, as a parent, how do I respond now? How do I tr- mm-hmm. teach my child? How do I raise them up? So I appreciate the, the, the family aspect of this show probably above all. Oh, and I do appreciate that they're not just focusing on the kids. They're not just focusing on the mutants. Mm-hmm. Because Reed and Caitlin are normal humans. Mm-hmm. They're not mutants. Right. Um, clearly, they do have some mutant genes genealogy Mm -hmm. they have the x gene somewhere in them enough to be able to pass it on to their children right but that at that side of things seeing the aspect of someone who is not a mutant Mm -hmm. react to all these things that the mutants have it's become normal right well then even speaking of the the human side of things you have the storyline with jace who is Kind of the guy who's in charge of Sentinel Services, who's hunting down the mutants and hunting down this family specifically. And Jace's whole motivation is because there was this uh, travesty that took place, uh, I think it was about five years before the series starts, and where there was a mutant rally. They're fighting for their rights, and, and Jace is already in the government. He's already some sort of law enforcer, and he seems to be kind of on the fence as to about what to do about the mutants. 
And in the midst of the rally, there's something that goes on. And in front of him, he sees his little girl die because of a mutant ability that went awry. Now, what happened? How? What, what was the truth of that situation? We don't know. But that changed him. And so his motivation to handle the mutants, I don't think he's necessarily like, I'm going to kill the mutants. But he d- has this mindset of, I watched my little girl die because of these people. Now I am more cautious and worried about who mutants are. Yeah. And so you have this real interesting dynamic of you have Reed and Caitlin who um, they knew the stories, but they didn't have any real close encounters. Mm-hmm. Reed had some encounters because he was of his, of his job and he saw some interesting things, but he was coming from, he thought he was legitimately helping them. Yeah. He was, he's, he strikes me as someone who's very compassionate. Exactly. And then when he saw his own kids, as mutants um his mindset changed he's like i've got to do something because i've been doing this wrong all along i've 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 been going about this the wrong way i haven't been helping these mutants i've been causing more harm there has to be a better way whereas you have jace who is um he thinks he's trying to take care of the world as a whole and that mutants are just nothing but dangerous yeah so it's an interesting dynamic you see and the fact that they they really make you sympathize for both of them in a very real way well and in the reality of this this if that were to ever happen or in situations where similar things have happened it's it's one of those things of there's a story to both sides yeah you have to there are are still people to sympathize even if they are not on the correct side of things. Sure. There are still people that truly believe they are doing what's right. And I think that's something everyone needs to think about um, in, in their own way. There are always two sides to every story. And uh, when you're dealing with situations, you have to learn to take everyone's story into account before you can make a proper judgment. And even then, in those situations, it can be a foggy judgment of what you're supposed to do. Um, I remember years ago, our hearing um, a, a study that was done that said that you can have one accident take place, like a car accident take place, and you interview five different people who had different advantage points. And because of their advantage point, they saw something entirely different takes place. And that really is what happens to society. And then... To add on to it, the manipulation by certain aspects of society. Uh, I remember years ago there was a the discussion about there was a picture that came out and there was a it was a, it looked like a soldier holding a gun to a person's head. Well, then you change the angle and you realize he's not holding a gun to the person's head, but rather because of the angle, um, there was no soldier behind him who was holding a gun. And hit this guy whose hand was out reaching was actually holding out a water bottle to a person. Hmm. And so, um, but the thing that got highlighted was the man with the gun, not the truth of it. And you see that aspect being played out in the series of, you know, the political play of like, okay, we want people to see this aspect of the mutants. Yeah. We want people to see this aspect of the government. And so it's, you have all this coming in play. And I really feel like that's part of what the show is saying is stop for a second and really look at everything involved in the situation at hand. Well, now that we've talked about some aspects of the story we like, let's, let's get down to some of our favorite characters because that is a driving force in the, in the series are these really interesting characters. And so we're going to talk about three specific characters that Celeste and I really enjoy in the series itself. So Celeste, who, what's, who's the first person we want to talk about? Blair! 
Polaris. <laughs> I love Polaris. Like she's a little rough around the edges, mm-hmm. but I really and truly do love her. Mm-hmm. She is tough. She's take she takes care of business, but she really does care. Mm-hmm. Now I think they're gonna have some interestingness playing because Polaris is the one who ha- is having Eclipse's baby, which is ironic. But. <laughs> Um, I think they're going to have some interesting, if they think about it, mm-hmm. they're going to have some interesting side story going while she's pregnant because pregnancy hormones and mutants, I'm sure, can cause interesting <laughs> things. Um, so, but, and I love the fact that, because we didn't know this, but apparently she is Magneto's daughter. Mm-hmm. She is one of them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is a setup to then pull in some other story line people mm-hmm. like we may see scarlet witch or quicksilver yeah we'll talk about some of that stuff that's coming down the line later on the show at the in, after the break that we're going to have um what is it about polaris that you find so interesting though um i think it's that while she is hard and she does what has to be done that she doesn't let it make her cynical hmm like She's not she's not your happy go lucky character. She's not mm-hmm. someone that is constantly smiling and joking around, but she has a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. She doesn't automatically take the the well, we're just all doomed. Mm-hmm. Look to things. She has hope. Right. Even though you know that she has been through the ringer. Yeah. And she has. I mean, just the uh, first few episodes, she's been through some rough stuff already. Uh, and then, like you said, Hinnett, she's the, the daughter of Magneto. And so if they play out the storyline, um, and, and for those of you listening, in this universe, the X-Men and the Brotherhood are missing. They're gone. We don't know where they're at. Um, they were set, the, the, the gifted, uh, central, uh, centers around one particular group of mutants that have, uh, they have safe houses around the nation. This one, this particular safe house, is being ran by John Proudstar, also known as Thunderbird, mm-hmm. who uh, is a Native American um, and also a veteran of the United States military. Yeah, which of course is some so much involved in that in that conversation alone. <laughs> right, but. Um, what's interesting about him, though, is the sense of responsibility he has for the group. And I really do appreciate that aspect of him. I appreciate the fact that um, they take time to show him trying to take time to understand every aspect. Like, you kind of see the wear and tear on him yeah. through, uh, throughout the episodes where he's like, he's really trying to balance out, okay, these are my decisions and how do they affect the group as a whole. And um, just kind of his upbringing as, mm-hmm. as a former veteran and all these other things. I really appreciate this character and his leadership. I think that he has... a. Uh, I think he has the leadership qualities that are needed to lead an X-Men team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at one point, and I'm curious as to how they're going to, where they're going to take this story. Mm -hmm. Somebody said something about the X-Men wouldn't have chosen you. Mm -hmm. So that tells me that someone who was on Xavier's team went, hey, you have leadership qualities. I need you to step up and do this. Right. So I think he may have even just because of how of what I'm seeing, mm. he could have possibly even had contact with Oh, we know Xavier. He did. I'm oh with Xavier, maybe. Like 
potentially training because the school went on for a good while. So mm-hmm. it could be that he was an, one of the original prod products of the school. I don't know about that one. I don't know if he would have been. Just the way they've, they've played out the last couple episodes, I'm not sure he was a student of the school for very long before everything kind of hit the fan. Uh, the, the, the doubt that he has to be able to lead the group... Uh, it tells me that he was pretty raw in this one before the X-Men left out. Hmm. So, and I think that a lot of his leadership that he's counting on comes from his military training. Oh, that's very possible. He definitely, he, certain aspects of his leadership remind me of a friend of ours who was in the military mm-hmm. and leads similarly. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> but he's a, but, and, and again, that's, I, I appreciate the writing that yeah. took place into this character. I've seen Thunder uh, Thunderbird and a few issues of the comics, and uh, I've seen it in one movie only, and um, never quite in depth from what I've read about him until this series. And I feel like the writers, I'm, I'm curious, the background of the writers, if they have themselves served in the military, because there are aspects about him that I'm like, that is our friend. Yes. So much. <laughs> so much. So... All right, so the next character we kind of want to talk about, highlight uh, that we kind of enjoy, is Blink. Now, I'm looking at this, and Blink is not who I thought it was. Oh, no! <laughs> when you when I read that and I read Blink, I thought it was the guy who cuts the powers. No, like, no, no, no. Any system he can disrupt. That's Pulse. Yeah. Yeah, no. So in my head, I've been mentally preparing to talk about Pulse. I'm like, we just met him. How are we going to talk about no, him? No, 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 not Pulse. I, I understand so much more now why we're, <laughs> why we're talking about this. Right. For those of you listening, Pulse was a character that we just met a couple episodes back. And he has this ability to disrupt systems. And specifically, he has the ability to also disrupt mutant abilities, uh, which is... It was made for a very interesting episode. You guys all have to check that out. But no, we're talking about Blink, who is a... Uh, her character's name is uh, Claris Fong. And she has the ability to create these portals so, uh, that she can jump through and basically teleport from one place to another place. So with some caveats, uh, she really, really prefers it to be a place that she's been to already. And I think she has some issues with distance, even. I think so because when they did that episode where again spoilers guys when they did that episode where she was sick because she had used her powers it's because they had gone so far Mm -hmm. like they were so far away and it was interesting that like they also said the part of the reason that she prefers it if she's seen it is that there have been times where she sent things through portals to places she hasn't seen and it's come out bad. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> poor squeak toy. <laughs> poor squeak toy. She cut it in half. In half. And it was it was smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I'm really intrigued by her, her character. You meet her on the very first episode and she's, she's running away. She's the first mutant that we see um, Thunderbird's team rescue. And you can tell she's scared, and there's some sort of backstory there of, of her family uh, that's still shrouded in mystery that we don't understand. But I appreciate the actress and the way that she's playing out this character. And yeah. it's one of those things where you're like, you see, it's she's really playing out that character of 
I've already been burned by the world and I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. And then suddenly it comes to a place of hope. And what I appreciate, it wasn't like this, like, oh, we're all good. Yay, we're the super friends. Because that's a different universe altogether. But it's a matter of she's skeptical of it. You could tell that she's been burned so much in the past that she's still kind of in reserve about things. And she's, like, still guarding herself, even though she's really in a safe environment. Yeah. Well, for, for the most part. For the most part. Um, I appreciate that it's not... A hone skill. I also appreciate that we saw her and Thunderbird in Days of Future Past. Yes. Even though it was very brief, I I feel like they were setting us up for this. (laughs) We're going to be talking about that on the flip side of this break, though. What are some aspects about Blink that you really enjoy? Um, I like her personality. Mm -hmm. Because while she's not the same as Polaris at all, she has this this sense of humor that you're like, hmm, you've been through some stuff and come out on the other side. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not as hopeful, like you said. She's not as optimistic. But she, I think she legitimately is starting to care about everyone. Yeah. And she legitimately wants to help. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's an aspect that, again, uh, I see in society so much. Just because the people you and I have worked with over the years... There's so many people that have just been burned. But we see them, we're like, there really is something that they want to pr- contribute. They yeah. want to do something right. They want to operate and be part of a group, but they've been so burned, they're scared to be part of a group. And so I'm really curious to see how she plays out. Yes. And speaking of playing out and the rest of the, how this series is going to play out, we're going to talk about that after this brief break. Are you a new business or ministry and need help getting your message out? Are you a budding artist who needs help sharing your passion with the world? Need help creating a social media presence that's impactful and represents who you are, but can't afford to have someone else run it for you all the time? One of my passions is to help people establish a social media presence so they can reach others with a message that encourages and changes lives. Not only do I want to help you create it, but I want to give you the skills so that you can maintain and grow your online presence. I offer a variety of services from graphic design to creating a social media campaign to consultation. If you're interested in my help, email me at geekdevotions at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And we're back. So for the second half of our podcast, we want to talk about the series moving forward. Some things we'd like to see happen and uh, some things that we don't want to see happen if, the, if there are any things like that in our in our mindset. So let's talk about the, the future of the show. Celeste, you mentioned some, some aspects of Polaris and Blink specifically that you like to see played out. What are those things? I would really like to see the relationship between her and Magneto played out. Or even between Polaris and Magneto? Yes. Okay. Even if it's more of a I have this dad and I don't know who he is, I feel like that that's a storyline the fans would appreciate mm-hmm. is figuring out how well she knows him, how well she knows the fact that he's her father. Because, you know, in one of the storylines, one of the children did not know he was their father mm-hmm. because he didn't know. Um,. But in that one, they also circumvented Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. So, but I feel like that there's been hints of um, 
leaning towards bringing Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in. And that also would be a connection to Magneto. So I feel like that would be kind of the same thing. Like, I want them to use her to get to them, okay. basically. Um, to bring them in. Even if it's a flashback or it's something where they're they're really not there, but they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that would be a really interesting aspect to bring in the rest of um, the known X-Men-verse. I mean, if you know comics, the X-Men universe is ridiculously huge. There's yes. so many mutants and sub-stories and plots and parallel dimensions. and I mean, it's crazy. It's a little intimidating. <laughs> it really is. But um, because of movies of, of late, people have an idea of certain things. So it would be rather interesting to see them bring in the Brotherhood and the X-Men and bring in characters like Magneto, like mm-hmm. Xavier, like Logan, or or some, potentially the New Mutants. You know, we just saw that preview a while back for the New Mutants, which is going to be kind of a more of a, a thriller type of film. Yes, it's but, not your typical Marvel film. But isn't that going to be on Hulu only? Uh, you know, I don't know. We'll have to look that up later. Because then they might run into the networking issues yeah but to bring in but the, the the aspects of that the those characters technically um the m- most recent marvel movie logan i say marvel fox marvel um it left off with the ability to do a new mutants movie now i don't think the new mutants that we're going to see coming out soon is based off of that or is no. extension of that it's based off of another storyline. I've actually, I know what book they're basing it off of. Mm-hmm. Um, these children are their parents, they are mutants, and their parents are bad guys. No, and no, that's the wrong series. That's the wrong series? Yeah, you're thinking of um, The Runaways. The Runaways. Oh. Yeah, no, we're talking what about am the I thinking of? What are you thinking of? There, we, there was a preview that came out about three weeks ago for the new mutants and it was a thriller horror like um movie that's coming out i remember this now yeah yeah yeah. and so i don't think it's connected right off of logan necessarily i feel like logan opened some doors for some very interesting different types of marvel movies they're not all gonna be bright and shiny Uh, we have other marvel movies coming out like there's gonna be a venom movie coming out which will will not be bright and shiny it will not be bright and shiny at all but I'd be interested to see how they connect things, if they connect things, with the Gifted series. I think Polaris would be a great jumping off because she already has such a connection to mainstay Marvel uh, properties. But is that a good thing to bring in the rest of them? Or should they allow this to grow and be on its own? I think that they could use it to bring in even more lesser-known characters. Mm -hmm. Like, you you could use the... The, we're running the underground, so we see the ones that no one else sees to bring people in. But there were side storylines with Eric that didn't necessarily bring, a, you know, what am I trying to say? Didn't connect with the main group. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want this to be kind of like, um, like what they did with Supergirl. You know, Supergirl, while she is technically a mainstay character in DC... She's not as much of a headliner as Superman. And so in the TV series, Supergirl, uh, for the first season, you hear references of him. 
she'll mention him. You'll see reports of him, but you never see actual Superman until uh, was it CW picked it up, and then even still, you only see Superman like once every couple of months. Yeah, he's not a regular character, mm-hmm. and yes, that is kind of because that then opens up for Lois Lane. That then opens up for um. Oh, what's his face over at the Daily Planet? Perry White. Perry White. It opens up to bring in these characters who are not highlighted as much to be a part of the show. So who would you want to see highlighted then in The Gifted um, if they go this route with connecting Polaris back to her father more directly? I think it would be fun if they brought in Scarlet Witch and the Vision. Okay. Because at one point they got together. And it it I, I came in on some books that were after they were no longer together mm-hmm. because something had happened to Vision. I'm not sure what. Yeah. And Scarlet, Scarlet Witch was kind of losing her mind. Well, Scarlet Witch had caused some really bad stuff to happen to. Well, Vision. this was I don't know if well, I don't know if it was that, but this was like the the House of M. Yeah, yeah. It was she, the beginning of House of M. Yeah. And she was stuck in this world where she and Vision were still married and they had this baby. And, and it. I feel like Vision is not a character that is as well known. So if we could pull him in even, that would be... Like, he's known, but he's not. Mm-hmm. He's more known from the Marvel movies. Right. Which would then bring in the rest of the Marvel verse. Sure. Um, that would be interesting. The, the, I guess the real question, though, is... Do they keep it within the Fox properties of Marvel, which is, of course, the uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, which is kind of controversial as to whether or not people liked it. Um, If you watch the Rogue cut version, it's much better film. Makes much much more sense. um, Or even the uh, X-Men Apocalypse uh, was very controversial for a lot of folks um, as for liking it. So those films, um, is it should they bring it back into that, that property? Uh, even with Logan, with the ending the way the way Logan ended, or are we talking about MCU, where you have, um, again, this will take a lot of work, and there's there's rumors of Disney buying out Fox, and so bringing those in together wouldn't is a possibility if the rumors are true, but does this uh, property, the gifted, belong in the MCU verse? Because it's very much grounded. Um, while not directly into these other movies, stylistically, it's much more like Logan and the other mm-hmm. movies. It's much more gritty than the rest of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be interesting to see the Marvel universe going on in the style of the X-Men and the Gifted. Mm-hmm. I think that you know having Bruce Banner pop up and help or even having Thor appear and somebody punching his lights out because he's kind of arrogant. Um, at least in the comics. <laughs> he, he is a little arrogant in the movies, but if we have not seen Thor Ragnarok. This is not about that. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything in there about that, this is this right. is your disclaimer. We haven't seen it. We don't know. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think it would be interesting to see them combine the two mm-hmm. and maybe even do something similar to what Marvel had done with... Um, the Defenders, where everybody had their own color signature mm-hmm. and everything looked a little different depending on what character they would focus. I right. feel like that that would translate well into a movie if they were to bring in the X-Men into, say, the Avengers mm-hmm. to have the different lighting 
to help help highlight who highlight. We're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So I think that I think it could be done. It's just a matter of with so long apart, how right. could they feasibly graph them in now? Yeah. It would definitely be an interesting feat to see them do it. I'm still not convinced though that um, it would be done easily. Um, if you read comics um, and you read Marvel comics specifically, you have an understanding that uh, not every book is written the exact same way. And there's a different feel to each book. And, and that's not on purpose because you have different writers. They're writing for different audiences. And so it almost makes sense to have separate things. But in comics, they are a connected universe. And it, but what happens, though, is when you have the crossovers, you kind of have an awkwardness of it. Somebody has to give up their style. Mm. They have to give up their identity to fold into the main storyline. Now, when you have the crossovers, things change in different aspects. Um, when Spider-Man's in somebody else's book, they they tend to fold more to Spider-Man simply because he's a mainstaying property. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have, uh, let's say, the Punisher, if he goes into somebody else's property, yeah, he's gritty, but he's not as hardcore as he is in his own property where he's, he's much more adult-oriented. <laughs> and so um, if this becomes a thing where they have the crossover, the gifted into the MCU... Whose style do you think would win out? I think it would depend on what platform they're doing it. If, Mm -hmm. you know, say they call Coulson out Mm -hmm. for something with the mutants, then if it's on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., then it should look like Agents of Mm S.H.I.E.L.D. If it's on The Gifted, it should very much be The Gifted. See, I think, though, Coulson himself... Coulson kind of fits in everything. With the way his character is drawn out... Because there is humor aspect, and this isn't just like a. I don't want people to think that this property is super like, uh, the gifted is just super like straight stone face and like. Uh, there but is quite a bit of humor. There's a lot of bit of humor. We, I mean, I laugh, and uh, that's part of the reason why I love this this series is that it's it is so rounded. There's drama. There's um, there's um, fear. There's suspense, and there's times of really some great humor that takes place in the series itself. So, I do think though that the gifted would be harder than the rest of the universe to pull in unless they're going to pull the multiverse Mm -hmm. which i don't think it's called multiverse in marvel but you know what i'm talking about with the different worlds if they did that then it would make a little bit more sense as to why no one in the mutant verse has heard of of spider-man and heard of uh, Captain America. Right. Because at this point, you know, that's one of the things I appreciate about the Marvel shows is that everyone knows about about the Inhumans popping up. Everyone knows about the um, what happened in New York, what happened in mm-hmm. Bulgaria. Not right. Bulgaria, but I don't remember where it was. Mm-hmm. Latveria. Um, Not Latveria. Latveria is Doctor Doom. <laughs> oh, well, anyways. <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> All right. So, well, Celeste, do we have anything else we want to add to this conversation about moving forward with the show? You know, I think at this point, it's it's strictly speculation until they make an announcement. Then we can kind of have some meat to go with to see it's, how this is going to happen. It's true. The one thing I would not mind is um, in Days of Future Past, we actually see Blink and Thunderbird. Yes. Uh, we, we see them in, in all their glory, I think. Personally, I thought they were great renditions of the characters. 
I wouldn't mind seeing some sort of combination of those two characters from Apocalypse. I mean, mm. Apocalypse from Days of Future Past, meshing with how they're doing the gifted. I feel like that would be an interesting play out myself. The way the character designs are, and um, even the situation is like maybe that might be the the connector point to the to mm-hmm. the foxes is. Um, some sort of disruption where they see themselves as those characters. See, and for me, I'm sitting here going, well, this is set before that. I didn't realize that that's a different universe. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like, the, the connection is not made there. Uh, there's people that, that would like to see it happen. But way that the Fox's Marvel Universe has played out, everything's so jumbled right now yeah. because of the time travel, because of... Of the events that took place in Apocalypse and whatnot. It, everything's kind of a little bit different now. Well, it. I thought that they were doing this show as a prequel to the events in Days of Future Past. Mm, no. That this was before the timeline change. Right. Um, from everything I've read, no. Aww. It's a possibility. It could be done that way. Um, I feel like they took some of the good elements Days of Future Past mm-hmm. and put it in because because you already have the issue like in Days of Future Past you already had Sentinel like robots like robots giant robots we don't see those right now well and that's why I thought it was a prequel I thought that eventually those little like no because spider things the, were going to become the majority of Future Past takes place like I think in the seventies no that's where they send Logan back to that's Days of Future Past yes. that's and he sees the robots already there. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so, but it'd be interesting to see them play that out uh, down the road for sure. Yes, most definitely. Okay. Well, Celeste, um, tell our audience about next week. What's special about next week? You get to meet my dad! <laughs> I am so excited about this! My dad is coming and he's going to be a guest on Talk, and we are going to talk about Star Trek. Heck yes. So, be looking forward to that. Her dad is the ultimate Trekkie. He has <laughs> been having her watch through it, as we've mentioned before several times, the entire Star Trek series according to Stardate. And just so, the original series. And then the, we had to get through the movies, and now I'm trying to get through Next Generation. Yes. And if it wasn't for the fact that we got married, we would be going through Next Generation together, but we don't live together anymore, and we're still trying to get through James Bond, so, you know. So should we not have gotten married? That's not what I said. <laughs> that is not what I said. Oh, man. Not at all what I said. Oh, so be on the lookout for that, guys. It's going to be a great time next week. Um, before we wrap up, let's give you guys the results of our poll as to what is um, our Devoted Geek community's favorite power that they believe to be in existence in the Marvel Universe. And we actually have a tie. Uh, a two-way tie, and that is self-healing and magnetism. And we actually got into an interesting conversation, or I did at least, with uh, one of our devoted geeks, Dale. And Dale had brought the aspect of never having, never dying, and um, by disease or another person's hand, and having the opportunity to just wait for the Lord to call him home. And I was like, "Well, that's that's a great idea, but what about decapitation?" <laughs> there can only be one. How does this work out with self-healing and decapitation? Do you finally die or do you not die? And so it was an interesting conversation. And um, I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this on the on the back end. Leave some comments 
Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, leave some comments down below. Answer this question for me. If you get decapitated and you have the self-healing, what happens? Does your head just reattach? Do you grow a new head? What happens to your other head? Does it grow a body? Is it still living? Let us know in the comments section or send us some messages on social media. That being said, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Calm Talk today. If you love this episode, do us a favor and head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's all very much appreciated and helps people to know that this is a podcast worth listening to. So, until next Sunday... Stay devoted. Peace and love.